White Cloud feed to the right, back in front. White Cloud scores! White Cloud bearing down on the goal, straight down the middle. Went to the outside right for Stone. Stone tapped it right back to White Cloud. The righty rips it home. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael, nine seconds through the left circle. Number nine closing in. He scores! It's an overtime winner. Jack Eichel, 2-1 Golden Knights with six seconds to go. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Looking forward to this one at T-Mobile Arena where the San Jose Sharks are the visitors tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights who will launch into a nice, tidy home portion of the schedule with his three-game homestand into Edmonton and Vancouver on the weekend, but then back home next week, a chance to make some hay and make uh, this place uh, what we saw uh, in the first couple of years, and certainly out of the gate this year, a really difficult place to play where teams uh, are on their heels, and you've uh, witnessed that where teams get blown out. Winnipeg comes to mind uh, on that subject, and uh, that'll be the goal tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Vegas enters the first place team in the Pacific Division, top team in the Western Conference with that 13-3 record. Ryan, when you look at the standings early, and we are not to American Thanksgiving just yet, <laughs> but it's already setting up as a nice little cushion for Vegas. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, right now the Golden Knights are uh, clearly the, the best team uh, record-wise in the Pacific Division. You've got 26 points out of your first 16 games. Uh, and then, you know, you, you kind of look at who's behind you. L.A. in second place, 21 points, though they've played two more games in the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Seattle, same number of games, uh, but they're seven points clear of Vegas. So you, you have... But it's the Edmonton and the Calgary. Well, the ones that were Edmonton, same number of games played. Yep. And yeah. you're eight points clear. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of a surprising thing. Thing, I think right now when you look at the Pacific Division is where Edmonton and Calgary are. They're You're the 10 one, points up on Calgary. They're the one and two teams in the wild card right now, but the, the separation from the Golden Knights early between Edmonton and Calgary is certainly a good thing because as, as nice of a start as it's been for Seattle, you're going to get another gear out of Edmonton. You're going to get another gear out of Calgary. Those two teams are going to be pushing uh, toward by the end of this season. I really firmly believe that. So for the Golden Knights being this far ahead and this much separation, if they continue to take care of business and beat the teams that are in front of them that they're supposed to beat, it's going to be real tough for Edmonton and Calgary to make up that ground. Boy, they've done a good job of that. And oh, being yeah. able to take care of the business against the teams they're supposed to beat. And uh, I would put St. Louis in the category of the Evansons and the and the Calgarys. Uh, I know this season's record hasn't played out that way, mm -hmm. but they're wildly inconsistent. When they've been good, they've been really good. Won the first three games of the year, then mm -hmm. lost eight straight, and now they've won back-to-back -back against really good teams. Beat Vegas, and they beat Colorado. So I think that team is closer to being in the upper echelon of the Western Conference than the one that uh, that managed to uh, find its way into uh, a slump. And, and on the other side of it, uh, look at uh, all the teams that, that Vegas took care of, especially on that, that five-game road trip. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some, some games in there that uh, you could easily fall to, to clubs that are in uh, a different stage of their contending status mm -hmm. in, in Ottawa, in Montreal, and in Buffalo. You found ways to win. And Vegas is tied for the league lead when it comes to third-period comebacks. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That's also impressive in in being able to pull out some some victories that maybe a year ago, when you're challenged by your roster format and the injuries, that that would have slipped through your fingers. Yeah, I mean it's range. It's it's really finding ways to uh, to win. As Bruce Cassidy put it yesterday on on the nighttime at noon interview with with Dan Duva and Dave Gosher, uh, it, it's finding ways to win when you've maybe got your B game right. Like when when you don't have exactly everything working in the right direction for you. Find finding ways to bank points and the Golden Knights have been phenomenal at that especially over the course of that road trip where you know you had a lot of different ways that the Golden Knights were able to pull out two points and you bank them early and for a team that went through it last year with injuries uh, you're going to you're going to live with any two points you can put in the bank when you just don't have everything going in the right direction. So I, I think for, for this Golden Knights team, the start is is incredibly encouraging, but the lead that they have right now in the Pacific Division, the, the buffer that they have allowed themselves, that, that they have put themselves in, is going to be one that serves them well over the course of the remainder of the season. One of those third-period comebacks occurred against this San Jose Sharks squad a few weeks ago when Phil Kessel set the Ironman streak. There was a lot going on in around that game and Vegas made sure they were so committed to wanting to make it a celebratory night uh, all over uh, for Phil Kessel and they did that against the San Jose team that uh, has five wins so far Maybe, it's hard to say they've overachieved but given their roster and what all the uh, chatter has been about their team new general manager, new coach 5-9-3 and three, is overachieving in, in my books. Uh, they've been more competitive, but uh, they're also a, a team that uh, I think will fall by the wayside. Here's Bruce Cassidy on just what he's seen so far from the Sharks. They're better than when we saw them last. Their record indicates that. They're finishing better. You see their top guys, right? We're struggling at the start of the year to finish Hurdle and uh, and Meyer, and now they're, they've found their game. So when your top guys are scoring, obviously you're going to you're going to have better results. Typically, that's what happens. They're losing some close games early on that now they're flipping. Um, uh, Reimers played well, I think, from day one, so probably no change there. Their penalty kill has been good from day one, so they're you know keeping the puck out of the net enough in, in those two areas. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest differences. And then you start winning a few snowballs, right? You get a little more positive vibes, and uh, so you're probably a little more comfortable in the closer, closer games than you were at the start of the year when they weren't going your way. San Jose is finishing up a four-game road trip tonight in Vegas. They have two wins and a loss through the first three games. What would normally scare me about what Vegas just did on the road was that final game. Mm -hmm. Having a good road trip going and looking past the final game because you've already had some success. Fortunately, it was the Buffalo game, which had everybody refocused and doubling down on being ready. Uh, I don't know whether that happens for San Jose if I was going to look at this game from 30,000 feet, I'd say that uh, that is an opportunity even more so for Vegas to take advantage of this team in the early going. Yeah, I, again, I, I think that where San Jose is coming into this, obviously they, they want I would I would imagine they want to have this road trip be a very, very successful road trip, and the only way they get that is to find two points here against the Golden Knights. But what I think uh, it works against San Jose is the loss to St. Louis. The fact that the Golden Knights uh, are going to be coming off of a loss and trying to correct some of the things, uh, the, some of the details in their game that were maybe um, not as sharp as they should be over the course of a win streak. I, I know 
that you can look at this a lot of different ways. I don't view it as a trap. I think the Golden Knights are going to be dialed in from jump. Well, it, it can be a trap, and you can still dial it in, right? You, you're, pre- you're prepared for it. Like, that, that trap is set. Uh, part of the reason why they call it a trap is you don't see it. And if if you're not ready to go right off the bat, you can fall through. Uh, if you're ready to go, you can you can go fast enough where the, where the trap doesn't uh, exit. So we're going to see, I believe, Paul Connor go again tonight mm-hmm. for the third straight game. I know that because I can see him down on the bench. He, he likes to, uh, <laughs> sitting on the uh, on the bench and doing the visualization. I haven't had a chance to talk to him about what exactly he goes through mm-hmm. uh, down there. We've got uh, Richie. Uh, and Chris out in the ice doing their rims, the ice crew with the uh, T-Mobile Arena and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they go out there and they ring pucks around to make sure that there's nothing sticking out from the boards and uh, some kind of weird hop that, that's going to occur. Mm-hmm. So they're they're active out there, and I can't imagine trying to do any type of uh, visualization the way Paul is sitting on the bench right now with those two yahoos down there. No, come on. It, it, it adds to the uh, to the ability to see and feel the sounds of the game. I, I think it probably I do love it in the in the visualization process. But Paul Paul's such a chatter guy. Like he loves the conversation. I, I like if if, well, if Richie and Chris, if Chris Richie and Chris come down to the other end and start doing their their mm-hmm. drills because they're dumping the puck in from blue line to blue line behind mm-hmm. the net. If they if they have to pass center ice and pass Paul, I guarantee there's a conversation that occurs. I'll because keep an Paul eye on it. loves chatting it up. Yeah. No, I, things going. He turns 23 tomorrow. 23 years old. Yeah. And he's he's a an organizational success story. A guy that was drafted mid-rounds and came up through the system, mm-hmm. got his taste last year, and is now pushing for not just to be in the National Hockey League consistently because he's he's achieved that right now at this point of the season, not having been assigned at any point to Henderson, but now he's pushing to be in the lineup mm-hmm. every night as he goes back and forth in uh, almost like a semi-platoon uh, situation with Michael Amadio. Yeah, and I think that you know what you're seeing right now with Paul Cotter is specifically I think the Golden Knights third line is with Cotter, uh, Howden, and Kessel. It's been as productive as it's been all season long over the last couple of games. You got uh, a two-game goal streak right now for Phil Kessel. You, you've got Paul Cotter with back-to-back games in which he's registered a point and an assist. Uh, I look at it as Paul Cotter brings an edge to that line that that you know maybe is missing when you have a different configuration. He's physical. He's not afraid to throw his body around, and more often than not, he's finding himself on the right side of the puck. So if those things continue and you're still able to get some production, you're still able to get uh, Paul Cotter finding the score sheet with regularity and it's helping you win, uh, those are the things he's got to do on a night-to-night basis to stay in the lineup. Plays his seventh game of the season tonight. Mm -hmm. That equals the seven games that he played in his first cup of coffee in the National Hockey League last year. He's still considered a rookie. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think that's significant as well that he's been up uh, the entire time this this year because the seven games a year ago were divided between the first half of the year and and late uh, on up front power play time you uh, you look at uh, what's happening with the man advantage and they went thirty plus percent mm-hmm. over the course of the nine game winning streak yep and it wasn't one unit over the other that carried them which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we know Riley Smith scored a couple of big goals on that second unit. Uh, not all the time that uh, the ice time is divided perfectly, mm-hmm. but having those two units, that one-two punch, is massive, and Bruce Cassidy knows it. Well, I think both units are kind of competing with one another, which helps. We're not relying on one or the other. Uh, entries have been cleaner, a little more pace going into the zone. Um, Puck recovery usually leads to some second and third chance, uh, opportunities to make plays. And then he, just the, um, the efficiency of the execution, right? The, the last goal, I think it was Stevie, was a rebound. It was a pretty straightforward recover a puck, get it to the elbow shot on net, and then converge and get a rebound, right? You need some goals like that where you're in the right places. So uh, put those three things together. Uh, I think the rhythm of practice has helped the guys. Um, you know, when we switch units, they're getting some reps now and a better feel for one another as well. There's also that competition factor that goes into starting assignments on the power play because it's such a mix between the the four lines, mm-hmm. the combinations of those four units. Uh, sometimes you'll have a, a power play unit. The first uh, group is is the first line, and the second unit is the second line. Yep. And there's there's not much transition or carryover to the third and fourth line. It's it's all the lines with the with the forward units are are touched by their man advantage. So whoever's out there when the penalty's drawn, mm-hmm. I think Bruce Cassidy has a real option on which unit to start. So ice time and the starting assignment on the power play is huge. Let's go back to Bruce. We will. I think right now Jack's unit's gotten more opportunity, um, right or wrong. That's just the way it's worked out. Um, but if, if we know the other unit is capable and, and not just going to, you know, if we know they're going to be a threat, then we'll go with kind of the one that the hot hand at times. And other times, though, it, honestly, because Marshy's on one unit, yet he plays with Carly and Smitty. So it depends who's on the ice when the penalty gets drawn a little bit. Like if it's Jack's line, they've been out there, then obviously Smitty goes out. If it's you know the one of the line uh, lines that typically aren't on the power play, I've referred, deferred to Jack a little more. Um, but again, we'll we'll keep keep them competing as much as possible, and hopefully they're both sharp. That's something that I watch for during mm-hmm. the game with this team and these power play units. We saw on the road trip there was a sense where that number one unit was going. Mm-hmm. And the second unit came out and scored the goal. Yeah. yeah. And when that happens, it's it's not a, darn it, we missed the opportunity. It's, well, we got to be able to finish next mm-hmm. time. We yeah. were really good with our minute 30, but they only needed 15 seconds and scored the goal. So that, that competition between the two is, is big. And it's a luxury to have two units people know the power play woes Mm -hmm. the last couple of years where just getting goals from one unit was a challenge now that you have two groups that can go out there and not just generate opportunities Mm -hmm. but put the puck in the net like riley has in different situations it's huge phil kessel i think there's another level on on his power play involvement yeah Yeah. no i I agree with you I, i mean listen when you have had a power play that has struggled and you're starting to look at the Golden Knights right now, the top 10 in the league at the moment, 23.9%, just a hair under 24% on the power play. It's That's overall, right? Overall, yeah. yeah. 
that's going to be something that really stands out to you on what's gone right early in this season for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think one of the biggest missions for Bruce Cassidy was turning the power play into a, an option that helps you win games when maybe you don't have your best effort. But it's also a situation where you needed your power play to not suck momentum out of your game. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is when the power play comes over the boards for the Vegas Golden Knights, more often than not, they're dangerous. More often than not, they're controlling those two minutes and they're creating some dangerous looks and they're building momentum within, uh, within the game because of those effective what, power What plays. do you see as the difference there? Um, I think that they just overall look a bit more confident moving the puck. I, I think that they're... they're they're getting pucks to the net with with regularity. It, you know, you talked about, uh, or Bruce just kind of talked about it on their their last power play goal. Chandler Stevenson banging home a rebound. Uh, I like the direct nature with which they're putting the puck on net, and then they're crashing the net, finding those those. Scored soft a couple of goals like that lately. Riley those, Smith as well. You got to get to the front of the net in order to score, right? And I, what I loved about the Chandler Stevenson goal so much is the placement of the shot from Jonathan Marcheseau. Right, he's going uh, he's going far side low into the pads of the goaltender, and if you've got a, a, a weak side player breaking to the net in that situation, if there's a rebound and it falls to the stick, it, it's, it should be a tap-in goal. And I think those are the things that I'm liking from the Golden Knights. There's a lot of decisive play when they've got the puck on their stick. They're getting pucks to the net, and they're crashing hard there. Uh, and then, you know, Bruce talked about puck recovery. I think that they are hungrier for pucks. They're finding ways to, to kind of reset plays, and when you do that and you're hemming in, the, the defenders for extended extended time in the defensive zone it leads to good things I think the uh, adoption of the the bumper position mm -hmm. and really leaning into that this year and finding groups because they've tried a couple of different angles with that and personnel with that mm -hmm. and that's been a, a big plus too to to generate uh, more room to create more room for the player below the goal line or the player on the sideboards. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're protecting against that bumper spot, and again, if you don't have the person that can make those decisions and see three moves ahead, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter if you got three players in the bumper spot. It's it's not going to work. But if you've got that player that can distribute the puck or or put the uh, the quick puck on the net, uh, it makes a big difference. I think that's one big plus to the Golden Knights power play. The other one is. The move of Jack Eichel to the other side. Sure, yeah. He hasn't done that in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Not not since uh, the national team development program has he played on the other side uh, on, on the power play. And that has really clicked uh, the power play uh, to a new level. What was uh, what was the percentage on the year? On the year, they are just a, ha just a shade under 24%, 23.9. Right, and, and on the road trip, they were over 30 which uh, which was was big and uh, yeah. and there they were over thirty. You'd expect it to be exaggerated on a nine game winning streak. Sure, they were over thirty in in that regard. So uh, that's on the middle of the road trip is when they made that change to put Jack on the other side, and and I think that that has also made a big difference in the ability to execute. Well, because it makes them less predictable, right? Because you've you've got Jack. In, in well, it gives you one-time options. It gives you one-time options, but it also gives Jack the option of of kind of taking the ice that's in front of him and either making a pass through the through the through the box if it's there, or you know how good his shot is. He can beat goaltenders, right? So um, I, I like the fact that Bruce Cassidy is tinkering with 
the power play the way that the way that he has already early on this season. It, it wasn't necessarily as consistent as he wanted it to be. You mentioned moving Jack to the opposite side, and it seemingly unlocked some stuff for the Golden Knights. Uh, having that opportunity to put a game away with a man advantage, it, we watched the other side of it. Now, last year, I, I have trouble pinning everything on the power play last year because units were in and out and there was so much flux with rosters and you never had all your talent all the time uh that's that's difficult but you you did you can't get away from the fact that there was opportunities with the man advantage mm-hmm. that didn't generate a lot of op- uh really good scoring chances and it affected the flow of the game or the confidence of the game or the vibe of the game mm-hmm. and this year there's I don't know many uh, times where the power play has gone out there and been totally ineffective. I can't think of any Mm -hmm. where they haven't generated one or two chances or had the puck in and around the net. And that is is a really welcome sight. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Again, it's it's been about momentum for me within a game. And, you know, we saw so often last year where the Golden Knights would get opportunities with the man advantage they'd have trouble just getting into the zone they'd have trouble setting up and it would actually serve as a boost for the opposition and it would suck momentum out of the offensive game that the golden knights were working at on five on five so i think right now what you're seeing is a consistently dangerous power play that i think has room to grow still and the golden knights right now it's 16 games in are hanging out top 10 in the league well where does it have room to grow phil kessel for one yeah yeah for sure jonathan marsh so Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only got one goal in the last eight games. Yep. Uh, there's there's that uh, ability. You know, he's always super hot yep. or taking a lot of shots and getting the puck to the net. Yep. So even when he's not producing, I like what he's what he's doing and getting the puck in and around the net, and it may lead to other, other chances. So there's, there's even um, when he's not totally on his game and firing home uh, one in every – Every night, uh, I, I'm still uh, intrigued by his game. But uh, if he gets going and Phil gets going, mm-hmm. that that just elevates everything else. If you start getting some goals from the blue line on the power play, that that helps. so there's there's what four places mm-hmm. because I'll ca- classify the blue liners as two. Uh, there's four places where the power play can get uh, more dangerous right off the bat. Yeah, you're you're not wrong there. I mean, you look at kind of the numbers, right, for, for Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. Uh, Theodore specifically, just one power play assist so far on the year, but Alex Petrangelo has six helpers on the power play. There, There's certainly room for growth, I think, from, from your defenseman. Petrangelo's doing the job uh, with, with kind of funneling the puck to the right areas at, at the right time. And, and I do believe that there's, you know, certainly another gear that we can see from Shea Theodore, who's been really, really good in all other facets of the game. I think if he starts to get a couple of points to go for him on the power play, it's going to unlock things even more. Shea Theodore, I want to look this up mm-hmm. because it's it's confounding to me why he doesn't put up more points on the power play. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I I agree with you, and you know one of the things offensively I think that Shea does so well is his ability to move in space, and I, I do think that there's room for him to to be more consistent on the power play when it comes to his production, uh, but I. I don't view him in, in the classic sense that I, I would view an Alex Petrangelo, who's just kind of out there quarterbacking, making the right read, putting the puck where it needs to go. Um, Shea, to me, is, is, is very much a one-on-one player, and I'm, I'm not sure um, 
where where you kind of like Alec Martinez right on the power play. You know exactly what he's going to do. The one timer. He's got a one timer and he's going to let it go every time. Every single time the puck goes to him. Does Shea Theodore have a go to option on the power play? Well, I would like to see him carry the puck into the zone more and take that one on one situation, which sure. he does every now and then, like and, Mark Stone, which he, that's on, on the breakout he'll he'll do that. But he has he has two power play goals in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got one shorthanded goal, so he's, he's plus one. Yeah. Uh, when comparing comparing the two, that that surprises me. The yeah. assists are there, the points are there, but from a, an overall power play goal, I don't know why he doesn't have more of those totals. I, I think it it kind of speaks to what you want to see from him on the power play, right? The the, the on his own entry, kind of making that one on one play if he's got it available to him. But those are, are so few and far between. If you are set up and doing what you're supposed to do, doesn't create a lot of opportunity for Shea to do that. Uh, San Jose Sharks against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Vegas is 4-1 and one so far this year inside the division. That's a big advantage. They can pile it up. Uh, they also look at the schedule now. This is the first game since having the nine-game winning streak snapped. Mm-hmm. You want to get back on the winning track. They have not lost consecutive games this year. This is the uh, third time in that position, so they'll try to a- execute that and avoid back-to-back losses. Then you start looking at what's ahead. So this week is San Jose and Arizona at home. Mm-hmm. Winnable games. Mm-hmm. Edmonton and Vancouver on the weekend, and then Monday on the road. Three of the four teams that I've just talked about didn't make the playoffs last year. Yep. After that, three-game homestand with Ottawa, Seattle, and Vancouver. Yep. Three teams that did not make the playoffs last year. Throw in Columbus to start a road trip. Mm -hmm. Seven of the next eight Mm -hmm. against teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Right. No. Other teams may say the same thing with Vegas. They didn't make the playoffs last year, so are they? Are they? But that, that, that's an anomaly because yep. of the injuries. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is anybody turned it around uh, to the state that uh, that Vegas has in that group of teams that I've talked about? No, they haven't. And that's why I I wonder: Could you have back to back nine game winning streaks? Now you get into Pittsburgh after that, sure. and and uh, and Detroit and Boston, the range like it gets it gets tougher mm-hmm. into December, mm-hmm. but the road ahead has one the makings of one of those really good fourteen of fifteen, seventeen of eighteen that that kind of streak. Yeah, I mean the the fact of the matter is for the Golden Knights, you you, you got to take advantage of these games when they're on your schedule, right? And and that's what they've done so well early on this season. We mentioned it. They are very, very good at winning the games that they are supposed to win. I, I think you look at the next seven. You look at the next seven or eight for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're expected to win a majority of those, if not all of them. Uh, Edmonton's an interesting one because the Oilers have underperformed to this point, but I don't know that there's going to be much help for the Edmonton Oilers. You're missing the extra scoring of Evander Kane. You're not getting the goaltending. You're not strong no, defensively. That's, a tough, that's still a tough game, though. It is still a tough game because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl exist. I, I'm, I'm right, right there with you. But, you know, San Jose, it should be a win for the Golden Knights. Arizona should be a win for the Golden Knights. Vancouver, they're in disarray. That should be a win. And the same thing for Ottawa. Seattle, the Golden Knights have owned the Seattle Kraken So you're as with well. me on this? I'm right there with you. And, and 
you, you can't make any apologies for it. You've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat when they're on your schedule because that continues to pad the cushion that the Golden Knights have. I think that going into a, a much tougher December schedule, the Golden Knights are going to have to take advantage of this stretch here. You, high winning percentage mm-hmm. is in front of them. Yeah. Then you get into December and you go, okay, 550, 600. Yeah. Be really good yeah. against that group when you're home and away and the holidays, et cetera. Uh, but what's in front of them right now? When I sat down and did I, this started because I was looking at the schedule and on how far the win streak could go. Sure. And Saturday it was a red flag, like 15 of them waving around going, ah, beware, mm-hmm. because of uh, coming home from the road trip and and not being totally secure uh, back into any type of routine. But after that, tonight, Arizona, Vancouver's uh, in and around Seattle, like there's, there's a lot of opportunity to, to get going and bank all those points. And then it becomes one of those things where the rest of the league starts looking going, those guys don't lose. <laughs> then it becomes mental. For yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Before the, the physical even gets into the mix. Because Vegas never loses. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent in you, you do a lot of the dirty work early. You bank as many points as you can early. And it just kind of takes the pressure off in those moments later on, dog days of the season, where you, you, maybe you drop a couple in a row. Uh, there, there shouldn't be panic setting in if you've taken care of business. And right now, the way that the schedule is set up for the Golden Knights over the first two months of the season, they could have a very, very wide cushion, and they could have an incredibly high win percentage, but it, it all kind of hinges on them doing what they've done to this point. That's taking care of the games they're supposed to win. And you know what? They've, they've been so good at it so far. I don't see a reason why it has to stop. It raises the bar. Yeah. And then you got then it's a challenge to yourself to live up to it. Yep. Which is also kind of cool. Uh, we're going to take a break. One-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League coming up as we get set for the Vegas Golden Knights' second meeting of the year against the San Jose Sharks. So we have a couple of sets of tickets to give away. Was that on the air or was that off the air? Okay. You, you can't do that anymore. How many times have we told you <laughs> that you can't do that? I believe this is the fifth time where, Chapman, you can't come in our ears and say something where we think that you're on the air. Chapman? If, uh, if I'm telling you tickets, it's going to be no, off the air. No, yeah, it's yeah. always on the air. No, uh, I don't want to throw you off. I don't want to. You no, know, you're throwing us off anyway. It just, doesn't just go we, we just, can hear you. No, no, just jump on air and say, don't forget the tickets. Don't forget the tickets. All right, exactly. Well, well, Darren, Ryan, don't forget the tickets for Ottawa. Well, now. Yeah. Have we not talked to them about this several it's, times? No, it's we have, but it's force yeah. of habit. It's just, uh, yeah. 780. 780. What? 702. What's the number again? Not, not. <laughs> I was giving oh. my number up for Edmonton. 702-876-1340. See, that's what happens when oh you do boy. all that, Chapman. I didn't want uh, to throw you off. Caller number 13. Give us a shout, and we'll send you to next week's game between Vegas and Ottawa. A couple of sets of tickets uh, on the way. We'll be back with one-timers next. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. 
New Jersey Devils have scored three goals in the second period and are up on the Montreal Canadiens by a pair as New Jersey tries to chase down a 10th straight victory, which would be the longest in the National Hockey League this year, beating the streak held by and posted the Vegas Golden Knights and the Boston Bruins. Yep. Yep. I uh, I don't want to call it before it actually happens. I don't want to count the chickens before they've hatched, but I, I, I say they do it. Jack Hughes has a couple of goals. Yep. Do you, you see that uh, answer today that Jack Hughes had for a reporter? Sure did. It's fantastic. Tell everybody the, the All back right. and forth. So Jack is asked a question about how to get consistency in the game for the New Jersey Devils, a, a team that, as, as you mentioned, Darren, is going for a 10th consecutive win. And Jack's response was, we're in the middle of a nine-game heater. I think we're doing okay. Kind of took the question out of context a little bit. I understood what the reporter was getting at. Yeah. yeah. But the response was uh, matter of fact, yep. let's say. And New Jersey coming out of nowhere to lead the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, some news on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not injury news, but scratch stuff. Jack Roslevic, who they were pegging to be a big part of their future, mm-hmm. healthy scratch. Sean Corrali back in the lineup for the Columbus Blue Jackets, leading the Philadelphia Flyers tonight, one nothing. Jack Roslevic could be available to uh, those around the National Hockey League if this plays out. Well, that's, I mean... That'd be a good pickup for quite a few teams if, if that's the direction it goes. Uh, but just He to, wanted to be a higher-level player yeah. when he was in Winnipeg. Yeah. He didn't see the path there, asked for a trade, and it hasn't necessarily worked well, out. I, if it doesn't work out in Columbus, I, I think that you, you know the, the path should be there or should have been there for Jack Rosovic. But just an update there, it's 2-0 now, Columbus. Uh, there you go. Uh, Vancouver Canucks lead the Buffalo Sabres by a pair. Mm-hmm. Is, is the ceiling falling in on Buffalo as in the slipper falling off? Yeah, probably. I mean, this is kind of what the Buffalo Sabres do. It's what they've done for the last four or five years. They are great out of the gate in October. They stubbed their toe in November, and they're more or less out of things uh, by the end of December. So it's... uh, They're ahead of schedule then. Yeah, it's all going according to plan. Yeah, I I thought they had more staying power, and I'm not going to judge it on one little streak, but... uh, but they they were they were competitive in the games before against good teams mm-hmm. before the Vegas game. Yeah, and they were never out of that game, which helped uh, the empty netter for uh, Jack uh, Eichel. But uh, I, I I thought they may be able to be able to turn this thing around. I will say this: it, the Vancouver Canucks have a two goal lead going into the yeah. third period. So that's uh, been uh, a big Achilles heel for them. Let's let's really look at this as a potential that the Buffalo Sabers have Vancouver right where they want them. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators are both looking for defensemen right now. Okay. I don't think you'll see any defensemen put on waivers in the next month. Right. Because they'll be snapped up right away. Sure. Vancouver's also looking for a defenseman. Yeah, they're they're in short demand right now because of some some injuries in the round of the league. Yeah, and that's interesting. Uh, I mean it's tough. It's kind of tough sledding for, you know, Toronto um, and Pittsburgh specifically uh, in Ottawa looking for a defenseman. But I, I think if you want to get something done, you've, you've got to find a way to make it happen via trade. And um, 
you know, there's a defenseman that I think a lot of people are looking at, but who knows when Jacob Chikrin is going to return to action. So for Sooner than for, later. For the, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Ottawa Senators or really any team that's looking for a defenseman, hope that Jacob Chikrin gets into some action. You get a, a look at what he's able to do, and if, you want, if you're serious about it, make it happen. Uh, Jeremy Swayman is ahead of schedule for the Boston Bruins, trying to come back and uh, get back into the fold uh, with the, the goaltending side of it. Uh, Linus Allmark's done a great job there. Yeah. Uh, Swayman wasn't off to the greatest start already, so maybe this reset uh, he can use to his advantage. Matt Murray's in goal tonight for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they try to uh, put up a victory. Matt Murray's only played one game this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, injured um, in a in a morning skate Uh Unbelievably so, but right now everything's going pretty well for Matt Murray. He has allowed two goals, but he's sitting at a 909 save percentage through essentially two periods. The Hall of Fame induction ceremony was held last night in Toronto. It was wonderful. Uh, loved it. Uh, some of the speeches were uh, really good and uh, some humor with it. And there was emotion uh, as well. Uh, next year's class is already being talked about. It. Uh, first year eligible people include. Corey Crawford and Henrik Lundqvist. One of those two for sure gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is multi-Stanley Cup champion in Corey Crawford. Imagine that. He, like, we're talking Lundqvist is a no-brainer. And yep. Crawford won a couple of championships. Uh, Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. Uh, I don't know whether he's an obvious first balloter, but I hope he gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, uh, Rod Brindamore still on the ballot. Should he be in? <sighs> um couple of uh, Selkies? I, I I, believe Rod Brindamore is a Hall of Famer, uh, but Alexander Mogilny is a Hall of Famer too. And, and the fact that Alexander Mogilny still is not in the Hall of Fame, uh, to me, needs to be rectified before we start talking about Rod Brindamore. Well, the weird thing about Alexander Mogilny is is he's he's got better numbers than Paul Correa. I know. And Paul Correa was just rubber stamped. I know. And should have been. I I don't have any issue with it. I, the only issue that I have is that it happened before Alexander Mogilny. Uh, Curtis Joseph also waiting to get in. 454 NHL wins. Yeah. He also yeah. leads the NHL in most losses. <laughs> are, are goaltenders underrepresented in the Hall of Fame? Do you? Nah, no. No? No. Uh, I'm going to lose my goaltending <laughs> card for sure. But uh, that's no. my mission this no. year is to make it so that you cannot be a card-carrying well, member L- of the Lundquist goalie Well, is going Alliance. in. Well, yeah, for sure. I just think it's odd that Crawford. Now Crawford didn't have the the longevity. No, but, but I mean he he has the championships. Yeah. Reggie Leach still uh, waiting to get in. You have to go back a long time for Reggie Leach, but uh, boy was he good. Bothers uh, me that Tom Barrasso isn't in. Really? Yeah. Mm, you and Tom. <laughs> No, uh, look, he 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 was, uh, you know, he, he won multiple Stanley Cups. He's yeah, called a trophy winner. He, he's got oh, a lot of points too. Yeah, yeah, he's he disappeared from the radar. Yeah, Here, here's one thing about I will say regarding Tom Barrasso. Hmm. He wasn't the easiest guy to get along with. <laughs> all right, and considering a lot of media people and a lot of hockey people, uh, it's important vote on the Hall of Fame. They hold grudges. <laughs> that does not surprise me in the least. Yeah. Uh, I, I picture you being a guy who does not would not hold a grudge against Tom Barrasso. Well, I didn't have a lot of it. I have a game you stick to Tom Barrasso's in my house, though. Uh, but I, that's, that's one thing that will hold him back. Will be 
his relationship with the media. Jeremy Roenick is still out there, too. So do you think... Corey Jeremy Roenick campaigned as hard as anybody I've ever mm -hmm. seen campaign for yeah. the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And now he's just... He's taken the uh, quiet approach, which is hard to do for Jeremy. I, I get it. Um, I, I want to circle back to Corey Crawford for just a minute. Yeah. You think he eventually gets in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, those are your one-timers for this Tuesday... November 10. Uh We've got two more tickets to give away. Yeah, we do. 702-876-1340. That's the number. We got uh, caller number seven. Caller number seven. We'll be back to wrap it up right after this on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Ladies and gentlemen, we settle it. If he talks to us, he talks to you. He's live on the air. None of this uh, behind-the-scenes communication. Chapman. Hi, Darren. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a <laughs> little bit of a Grinchy kind of moment today. Um, I, you I know, had one I'm, when you were talking. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not one of those, like, anti-Christmas. I love Christmas. I, I, I love the holiday season. But I went into a, a, a place to get lunch. And they were they were just blasting the Christmas music, and I'm like, can we at least stop? It's close enough. No, we have to get to Thanksgiving, and to no, make don't. to make matters worse, I think that Mariah Carey "All I Want for Christmas" song might be You're, the worst stop. Christmas song ever stop. made. So what did you do? Well, I, I, stop I, talking tough. Tell me what you I, did. I sucked it up and I ate my lunch. Oh, so you did nothing. <laughs> no, you did, you did nothing. nothing. No. See, right now you're just being Wah. the cool guy that wants to be the one to go on the uh, air or start a conversation <laughs> about his two or lose play Christmas music when I, you didn't do anything. I, I, I was hungry and I have zero convictions. So. You could have got up and walked. Well, no, you, you have convictions just now after the fact. You no, should have just I, got up and walked I, away. I, I even made a comment to the girl who was behind the counter. I said, I said, isn't it a little early for Christmas? She's like, yeah, I agree. But the manager wants to play Christmas songs. So I don't even think you did that. No, I did. No. I did. She, if you she, did, you did it as a as a jokey thing, like, "Hey, is it really for Christmas?" Like, ah, ha, ha. No, uh, no, that's I, what it is. I, I think she was on she was on my side. She no. was she was she wasn't feeling the Christmas. If tunes. you're not willing to stand up <laughs> and make a statement for something that you're going to use in catching up with Chapman, then. You've got no voice to me. Yeah, no, for real. If you weren't going to say something or like have conviction in the moment, why are you bringing it up now? Well, because because I I, I feel like I, I I should have taken a stand. Like well, I, you I, can't, I should have been yeah, like, it's yeah, easy you know, to what say I, that now. Yeah, of course. But I I, I was hungry and and I'm, I'm I'm kind of a softy. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not a Scrooge. I love Christmas and and I love Christmas music. I mean, day after Thanksgiving, so what's wrong I more of it. I will because it's it's. I'm a th I love like, Thanksgiving, does too. Does it wear out on you? Well, you know what? I Chapman, it. how I, many Thanksgiving songs are yeah. there? Well, there's the Adam Sandler, but, but like, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not asking for Thanksgiving music. I just want to let Thanksgiving... But Christmas is a season, and, and Thanksgiving happens to fall in between Halloween and Christmas. And therefore, if there's only Christmas music that exists, which there is, then that is part of the festive nature of Thanksgiving. There are no, no Thanksgiving no, look, songs. You, you, you get the great Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. You get the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys. Not that anyone wants to watch the Lions, but I... I oh, you, you, Alec Martinez won't be happy with you. I know. Or Paul Cotter. You, you, you've got to let Thanksgiving have its own day, then though. have let conviction it, and get up and don't yeah. go there. And make oh, well. a statement when yeah. you're there. All right, I won't go back. Instead of... 
Okay. <laughs> Until after Thanksgiving. No, no, no. Because I, principles. I, I will boycott this place. What did you have? I'm not going to say because that might give away where I went. I don't want to do that. So. Oh, so once again, I, you're I, backing I, down. I, I will say this. They are a sponsor. So You um, totally turtled <laughs> on this entire I, I, platform. I pulled the David Perron, yes. You absolutely big turtle. Uh, we've got the Golden Knights against the San Jose Sharks pregame shows coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We'll chat with you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show.